0: Observing the night sky is a captivating and enlightening hobby that allows us to connect with the vast universe that surrounds us. Each month brings new opportunities to explore the wonders of the night sky.
1: Hello everybody welcome to March edition of uh, Cosmic Corner. I'm Sinead from Connemara Astronomy Club.
0: And I'm, I'm Paul Graham. from the Irish Astronomical Association. I'm Graham from Connemara Astronomy Club.
1: Very good. Welcome, everybody. Uh, glad to have you back again this month. So um, I'll make a start, lads, if that's OK. So uh, March is a very big month in the world of um, astronomy in Ireland for events on the ground. So uh, from the night uh, to the 16th of March is Irish Astronomy Week. So there's events all over the island of Ireland. There's over 100 events, and um, there are library talks, there are exhibitions, astrophotography workshops. There's so much events going on um so i definitely think you should check that out on i um, sorry www irish ie so um i'll put that in the link as well and another event that's going on and myself and graham haven't been to this before but we're going to go to the, this year it's a uh, cosmos and every year the irish federation astronomical society does this event it's a one day event in um in the midlands so midlands astronomy club we'll run it and it's fantastic. And this year it's going to be the 23rd of March and it's going to be in uh, Chochlea in the Bora Discovery Park, which is in Bluebell County Offaly. And um, details aren't really up yet of what the day is, but usually it's uh, nine to five um, talks and different speakers and workshops. And then in the afternoon if, uh, or sorry, in the evening, if uh, the weather permits it, there's uh, some stargazing. So if you check out www.midlandastronomy.ie. So, uh, Paul, you want to go next? You're going to do what's in the night sky at the moment, or what's going to be yes. in for a march. Yes,
0: indeed, and I, I will Great. say that I'm also very looking forward to going to Cosmos um, Great. this year. It's just along the road from where it was last year. It was, it was in a gun club last year, which was uh, <laughs> quite fun. I mean, what could possibly go wrong there? Oh, of course. Um, <laughs> but it used to be, it used to be, uh, before the COVID thing happened, uh, it used to be in the Shamrock Lodge Hotel in Athlone, and yeah. I don't know how many people know this, but Athlone is actually my mother's hometown. So, so oh. I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I'm actually more Irish than I sound. In, in fact. Oh. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, OK, but yes, but what's going on in the sky? Well, um, the sun is the most exciting thing at the moment, actually. Um, solar cycle 25 is, is progressing well, and there's been lots of big sunspots. And in fact, at the moment, just moving off to one side, um is is active region 3590 as we call it which is a great big sunspot into which you could fit several earths and mm. it's delivered um a huge number of big flares x flares the, the highest category uh, there's been three of those in the last couple of days but sadly none of them has really been accompanied by a huge coronal mass ejection So it doesn't look like we're going to get much in the way of auroras off that one. But the fact that big ones are coming. Auroras are quite active around this time of year anyway, um, despite the fact that Solar Cycle 25 is ramping up very well as well. So we should have, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, a good March because the equinox is the 21st of March. and What happens around the equinox is a thing called the Russell McFerrin effect. Okay. And that's where the magnetic fields of the Earth and the sun are lined up in such a way that solar particles can easily get dragged into the atmosphere by the Earth's magnetic field. Okay. And then you get all sorts of nice colours and um, you know, reds and greens and sometimes blues and purples as well. And actually quite visible from certainly my latitude. I mean, I'm at sort of 55 degrees north, but, um, but quite often they come further south and in, into, in, into mayo. And I've even seen pictures from as far south as Dublin um, wow. of the aurora happening so it's a, it's, it's a good time for it
1: Is there a website where people can, is there like a aurora website where people can find out if it's going to happen?
0: I mean well the, the first place you want to go really is spaceweather.com Okay um, But also if you go to um, the IAA's website irishastro.org okay. There is a tab on, along the top of that called aurora and that's got real-time data showing right. what, what's going on there, and a bit of a guide as to as to um, as to what's you know, what to look out for, really. Um, okay. And of course, as with anything, really, but particularly auroras, because they are quite faint. Um, thing number one is just get yourself away from city lights and stuff. Yeah. Uh, go go somewhere dark with a good view to the north, and um, and if it's going to happen, then you'll see it that way.
1: And Paul, what's the lead-in time like? Would you know like a couple of hours in advance? Oh yeah, you would you, you know the day before?
0: It's yeah, and it's a bit scary really when you start <laughs> doing the maths of it as well because yeah, um, when when something happens on the sun, generally speaking, um, it, it will lead to you know a war as if it's going to happen three or four days later. Okay. So. so the sun is ninety-three million miles away, so we're yeah. we're talking about particles traveling about two million miles an hour here. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, amazing. A bit frightening, isn't it?
1: <laughs> amazing, and, amazing. And we're in
0: the way. You know, we're
1: and, uh, we're getting in the way of them. Oh my god, yeah. that's brilliant. So, what suppose, else going on?
0: What else? Well, um, this is a good time of the year for a few things, really. But um, um, the new moon is actually on the tenth of March. And that okay. means the sky around that time is is really you know ideally dark. Mm-hmm. If you have a good west view, and you guys who live on the west coast, you, yeah. you kind of have, potentially have if the clouds ever go away. But um exactly <laughs> after sunset, the way that the angle of the ecliptic works, one it's a good time to look look out for the nice thin crescent moon coming up on the eleventh or twelfth. Mm-hmm. Um, but also. Around that time, you can see a thing called the zodiacal light.
1: Okay.
0: And that's a sort of a glowing cone of light rising into the sky and getting thinner as it goes. Again, it's very faint, like the aurora. Um, But if you see it, you see it. And what that is, that's the sun illuminating lots of dust in the inner solar system. Um, Um, I, I, I once saw it brilliantly in Arizona. You know, and and because because the, you know, the conditions there are just so perfect. And again, yeah. how, how come people don't see this? You know, because yeah, it was that bright that you just was could you couldn't miss it. Um, you can see it here, but less so. One because it's sort of tilted over to one side because we're you know yeah. latitudes, and um, but but also um, our our atmosphere tends to be a bit more moist above the Atlantic. Yeah. Um, but I have seen it here, and and it is it is um, you know a sort of a thing of wonder as well.
2: Brilliant. Does that, does that mean, Paul, that um, whenever there's a, a new moon, you can see this zodiacal light?
0: You can, but this is the best month to do it: March and April um, in okay. the evening, or actually, indeed, September and October in the morning, um, and because that's when that cone is at its steepest and goes higher. At other months, it sort okay. of tends to be more you know going along the horizon more yeah so you don't see it so much but but march is a good time okay so that's a you know a good one to see um interesting and so that's other thing around the, the kind
2: of uh, 12th 14th twelfth to the 14th of
0: yeah were it re- really even sort of 8th 9th 10th okay 11th, okay yeah you know well, cause the because the moon starts to come into down. it after that and that's a distraction yeah yeah but um it's a good the, the thin moon is a good signpost to it but also the light is taking away from it you know yeah yeah uh, so so there we go but um yeah it is um the other thing that's happening that's worthy of note is we have a comet in the sky and uh, it's comet 12P Pons Brooks and rolls uh, off the
1: top. <laughs> yeah. And it was,
0: um, <laughs> comet names are always like that. It's named they after. Are, yeah. Discovered and, and the P in the 12 there is periodic, um, which means that we have seen it before in 18 something or other. Okay. So it's a periodic comet, much like Halley, similar sort of okay. uh, comet to Halley's. Um, and at the moment, if you, um, imagine the great square of Pegasus, mm-hmm. um, and you sort of take the top two stars of the great square of pegasus and then you made an equilateral triangle out of those two stars that's about where it is now but over the course of the next month it is moving towards the andromeda galaxy sort of direction okay. so, so it's moving sort of to the left in the sky. it's quite low down after sunset is your best chance of seeing it uh, okay. unfortunately being a comet, you've got to wait after sunset until it's actually really dark, yeah. But sort of civil twilight doesn't really do it; it doesn't stand out against that. But yeah, um, but you can see it. So, um, a couple of my guys in the IAA um, have captured it yesterday. Oh and wow! In fact, and in fact, I didn't even think of doing it, and I could have done that kind of. Thing. Uh. um But but uh, but um, but Andy McRae, he's got a great picture. He's got a good you know a good observatory. Yeah. But also, one of our members, Simon Hearn, he um, he's got a sea star, and he took a picture of it with a sea star. So it's you know it's
1: like that'll it's, be your next little project. So it's and really, how absolutely. Long yeah, absolutely, like, yeah. And in it's such an easy thing, and I've
0: had such fun with that. I could do a, oh, a I whole know you program, especially. I know
1: you could <laughs> making us jealous, Paul. Well, how long <laughs> is the comet in the sky then? Like, is well, it a day sort of peaking, or is it a week?
0: Yeah, it's a few weeks. It's peaking. Okay. It's peaking in um, about the 4th or 5th of April, I think. Something like that. Now, that's when it's nearest the sun and brightest. But now the bad news is that um, comets tend to either be in... northern or southern hemisphere at different points yeah and this is this is in the northern hemisphere now so when it's past the sun it will be in the southern hemisphere so it's gone to our visibility as soon as it gets brightest effectively once it disappears into the sun's glare then we don't see it again
1: yeah okay
0: until 21 something rather
1: okay we'll be well gone by then okay so try and get your chance that's 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 well
0: worth looking out for good i don't think it's uh it's 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 not looking like a fantastic comet, but it might be one that is naked eye visible just about fourth magnitude, wow. perhaps. Um, it is not another uh, Neowise like we had in I 2020, know. I'm afraid. Yeah, um, yeah. It's certainly not another hale bop like we had in 1997, but it's, uh, no. it's a not bad comet, and we're well overdue for a really fantastic comet, I think.
1: We are. We sure are. We sure are. Good So stuff. that's all
0: I'm going to mention at the minute. That should be enough to be going on with. Um, um, Very all good. The, all, so... all the regular stuff is still there. There, there aren't there's not much in the way of planets, this in, in oh, fact really? in fact yeah, no, because just just the way these things work, that um Venus and Mars and Saturn are all the other side of the Sun from us at the moment. Okay. So Jupiter's nice and bright still. Plenty of time to see Jupiter.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Um Uranus is good. However, now this is one I should mention, you might, when you're looking for that thin crescent moon around the eleventh of March You may also get a spot of Mercury. Okay. Mercury. Mercury very low in the West. I mean Mercury is bright, sometimes brighter than Sirius, the brightest star. Mm -hmm. But it's always near the sun and in the twilight. So it's actually it's estimated that only one percent of the population have ever seen Mercury. Even though it's bright. Even though it's bright, because it's
1: and and I must
0: fire off my usual warning here. do not even start looking for it while there's any bit of the sun still in the sky yes yes. because that's dangerous
2: I, I guess Mercury is not around for a very long Paul because it's it's orbit it's
0: fairly yeah it's it's, it's orbit it'll, it'll, it'll come back in the morning at some point but actually this is the best evening apparition of this year okay so if you're going to see Mercury um then the sort of the 10th 11th 12th 13th of March good time to do so Okay, so that's okay, the
2: well, sky. I, uh, yeah, I wanted to uh, talk about the, the Japanese uh, expedition to the moon. Their um, their lander, uh, SLIM, the uh, the smart lander for investigating the moon, as the acronym gives. And that dropped down onto the moon's surface on January the 19th. Um, and it was only, miraculously, 55 uh, meters from its target, which when you think about it is, is quite incredible. But during the descent uh, as well as that it's, it's gone to the gone to the south pole so it's kind of kind of done a it's it, it's used the moon as a kind of a slingshot to to orbit around and uh, yeah 55 meters which is pretty good during the descent it experienced a bit of a problem and landed uh, at an awkward angle uh, in uh, in some uh, small crater and uh, this meant that so the panels were not correctly aligned and apparently they are facing lunar west rather than upright and this seriously degrades its ability to <coughs> excuse me to receive uh, sunlight to power the lander and it was wholly re- and it, so in the beginning it was wholly reliant on its batteries and this enabled it um, initially to send back images of the landing site before it shut down and hope remained that it would still uh, receive some light as um, uh, to, to give uh, to give some charge. To reawaken it, and lo and behold, ten days later, it woke and started taking more images, but not for long. On the 31st of January, it went back to sleep again for another two weeks. And if you think about this now, the the lunar, the lunar, orb, the rotation of the moon is it takes uh, 28 days, so you can understand that there's a, a two week gap where it's it's um, it, it's in the dark. Yeah. But, um, bearing in mind that the moon takes, as I say, about about 28 days to to rotate. And well, also consider, this is a tricky business that the temperature on the moon can reach as low as one hundred and thirty-three de- minus one hundred and thirty-three degrees Celsius. Ooh. And when I was an engineer building things uh, for the military, um, military spec was around about uh, minus fifty-five degrees Celsius. And wow. to do more than that with electronics was quite difficult. So this thing kind of has to go to sleep when um, when it's too hot and too cold too hot probably around about um uh, i'd say much more than than um let me think about this now probably around about 60 degrees um celsius and it goes to sleep the other way it's too hot for it so but anyway during the lunar lunar day it can the temperature can get very high and that was a problem because it's going to be stuck in the sun for some time but having said that Right, Um, contact again was made on the 25th of February, a telemetry message was received, right, Uh, but the temperature was too high so it, um, shortly afterwards, it it kind of went back to, it it shut itself down, terminated. Yeah. And JAXA, JAXA, the Japanese uh, um, 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 group running this, are now preparing to conduct experiments with a spectroscope camera. And this is designed to ascertain the lunar surface composition. And space is tricky. And I guess they're looking for the water on there. So that's 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 Jackson. We we wait
0: for more news.
1: We wait for no news. That's brilliant. Wow. And you were both saying earlier something about the stability of the structure.
0: Well, yes. Um, there seems to be a tendency now to build these landers quite tall. And it is a good idea in the sense that you get more into a certain diameter of rocket. Yeah. Um, and in this case, they've stacked the fuel tanks on top of each other, which has made it taller. Um, but the trouble with that is um, that when it comes to landing, it makes it a bit easier for things to fall over. Yeah. And that's what's gone wrong here. Um, if, if you look back to even before the lunar module that, that you know the Apollo crews took to the moon... Um, they sent a thing to, to establish the possibility of landing called the Surveyor craft. And the Surveyor had three feet and a centre of gravity hardly above, you know, the bottom of it. Um, and there's no chance of that falling over. But they seem to have, you know, in, in the quest for taking more stuff, they've built upwards. And these accidents will happen, probably. Do you ever watch a robot wars? At all, no, I know, not, 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 not. Oh, I love
2: yeah. robot wars. <laughs> oh, but the great, God, thing about, the great thing about robot wars is, is they've got the self writing technology going on, so yeah, we, we really need that for the moon landers. We well, need a few that, of that,
1: those yeah. lads to get out there and start doing the moon lander. I yeah. absolutely love robot wars. Oh, that's
0: I love it. <laughs> the other aspect about this whole thing of, of going for the ice, you know, around the south lunar pole, yeah, um, is that going. To the moon and then getting yourself into a polar orbit so you can go to the poles is actually much harder than what Apollo did because they wow. just went into equatorial orbit, which is how it happens larger. naturally if you just go there yeah. um, yeah. and and um, and then go down, come back. That's easy. This, this is this is much harder, much harder than you might think, because getting from you know you arrive at the moon in the plane of the solar system and then you've got to tilt that orbit over ninety degrees yeah you know, to get into a polar orbit and that's hard and the uses fuel.
2: They, they they I think they have to I have seen kind of pictures of the track. They they kind of go go out some distance from the moon and come back again. Yeah. They they kind of yeah. do a big loop away from the from its uh equatorial yeah. orbit. I love, be, used, I love the word you used
1: Graeme. I love the word you use uh, Graeme, a slingshot. I yeah, think that's yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah. You can yeah. imagine yeah. it just yeah. yeah that's fantastic. Yeah. That's brilliant. So no, any other news Hope. before we do live in hope. We'll hopefully it'll update us now and the next programme and hopefully it'll come awake again and um we'll know more. So anything else, Graham? Do you have anything else to talk about? Was it just a lot? No, longer? no, not not for
2: now. No. That was that was my uh, that was my well, contribution this month.
1: Thank you. Really enjoyed that. That was brilliant because I kind of missed it this week. I'd been so busy, so I'd kind of seen updates, but I didn't really read it properly. So thank you so much for the update. So um that's great. So thank you so much for me, Sinead.
0: And for me, Paul. And thank you for me, Graham. Thank you for listening to Cosmic Corner, the monthly What's in the Night Sky podcast. This podcast was produced, written and presented by Paul Evans, Graham Sales, and Sinead Mannion.